What does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our time on just making it through the week. Commuting our kids to and from school, finding time to spend with our family, trying to figure out all of our work obligations. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday. Did you know that in a week there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending only 80 of those focusing on our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 10,000 Podcast, where we want to bring God into your 10,000 minutes each and every week. Um, My name is Sawyer Trapp, and I'm our associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver, and I just want to thank you so much for listening. I hope this podcast encourages you, grows you in your faith, and helps bring your faith more active into your life. If you haven't clicked that subscribe button, make sure to do it right now and share this episode with somebody if you found it helpful. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to our lead pastor, Matt Wolf. Thanks, Sawyer. You know, I was just listening to your voice, and you just have, like, the perfect, like, radio voice. Like, you could be on NPR, Sawyer. I should have. <laughs> you guys are listening. I'm actually really excited about this podcast. we got a great question and a topic that I'm pretty passionate about. Yeah, I think it'll be and good. And we haven't really covered it. Yeah. So I think that this will be beneficial to you, even though it's a little theological, but I think it's going to be very practical for those of us who are followers of Jesus mm-hmm. in our study of the Bible. Yeah, really affirmational, I think, in our faith as well. Yep. So let's start with the question. So we got this question from Derek, who is a regular listener. Thanks, Derek. We love you. Um, <laughs> Derek said that he listens to to this when he's working out in the morning. So if you're getting your sweat on, uh, to Derek or anybody else listening to this, we are glad you are. We push all, through that last rep. Yeah, push it. one more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you it's go. It's kind of like Eye of the Tiger, right? Motivational. We're we're a little bit like that. I uh, think so. Okay. If I were to think of a comparison, that's what I would <laughs> I would pull from. Yeah. Uh, but wherever you guys are listening, we love hearing from you. Even if it's just say, hey, we're we're listening. But if you have questions, even better, you can send those in to s trap at arisedenver dot com or mwolf at arisedenver dot com. So, I wanted to cover this question first and this was the question it says how do we know the prophecies fulfilled in the new testament are valid and happened versus the authors of the new testament controlling the narrative to satisfy old testament scriptures Mm. so yeah i think this is i think this is coming from your message on sunday matt if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to that message um it's god planned to bring you in and and you kind of walked us through what was it, 17 different prophecies about Jesus? That's right. And yeah. even as I was going, I thought of an 18th that oh, I forgot in there. And I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot an 18th. <laughs> but yeah, at least 17, 18 prophecies mm-hmm. that are fulfilled in the just the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Wow. Yeah. You know, we're not even talking about his birth, his life, or anything else. Yeah. So I, I, think, I think that's where that question comes from. And, and so if, if what, you don't quite get what Derek is saying. I think what he's getting at is he's saying, okay, so these prophecies seem to be... Re- fulfilled in the New Testament, yeah. but it's because, is it because they were actually fulfilled or is it because the authors of the New Testament knew what was going on? They're like, Hey, this Jesus guy is pretty cool. We're going to make it seem like Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies, even though maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Right. Correct. And I think this is a question that a lot of people have. Like, can we actually believe the Bible? Can we trust what it says? Like, is the, are the words, especially the words about Jesus contained in the Gospels, like trustworthy? Can we believe the things that they say? And I would encourage you that we really can. Like the Bible is one of the most 
like by far well documented, supported with the most manuscripts, books from that period, or even much, much later that we have today. So I would preface with that. But also I would say, think about how unlikely it is that a group of guys would gather together, say, okay, this Jesus guy is it. We're going to create this grand conspiracy. We're all going to be connected. Um, When we're writing maybe 30 to 50 or more years apart, right? Mm -hmm. So this grand conspiracy to take the prophecies of the Old Testament and subscribe them to Jesus. Yeah. The likelihood of that happening is so, so low. If you've done any, if you've done any research into um, grand conspiracies or people banding together, there is always someone who cracks (laughs) under pressure, right? Yeah. And if you think about what happened to the disciples, especially the writers of the Bible, they died. They went to their deaths, sometimes very, very painful deaths. Yeah. And they went to those deaths. Would they have gone to those deaths if they were just believing in this conspiracy that they made up? I don't think so. Right. I really don't. Yeah. And I think there's good evidence outside of the Bible to support the things that Jesus has done. Yeah. Um, people like Josephus and others writing in that time period that supported what the biblical authors said. So with all of that in mind, I think it's much more likely that Jesus was who he says he was. Yeah. And he was just living his life, fulfilling the prophecies that have always been about him. Instead of this grand conspiracy of people banding together to support this guy who may or may not be God and lifting him up. I would also just say, to what end? What was the benefit for them? They experienced a lot of persecution, a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty, ultimately to their death. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's much more likely that Jesus was who he says he was and fulfilled those prophecies himself. Right. And of the, you're right, like the four gospel accounts that we Mm -hmm. have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are fulfilling all these prophecies. These guys were followers of Jesus. And what's interesting, though, of those four gospel accounts, two of them were written by disciples. Right. John and Matthew. And Matthew, in particular, of the four, is the one that shows the most fulfillments of Jewish prophecies. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, Luke was written to Greeks. Yep. Luke even says that. I was writing to Theophilus, who's this Greek guy who's funding his mission, you know, yep. investigation and, and writing of his historical record. But Matthew was a Jew writing to Jews to convince them that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Right. And it's like very clear, like every single, like from the very beginning to the very end of Matthew, he's showing how Jesus fills all these prophecies. And they're about the birth, life, death, resurrection, all of it. Mm-hmm. And... You know, so but Matthew and John, who spent the most time with Jesus, are the ones who included the most, and then Mark and um, Luke, who were probably interviewing the eyewitnesses, right. they wrote the same thing. But then we also have things like the letter to Peter, which contains you know very clear like eyewitness testimony. Paul, w- who wrote within fifteen years of Jesus's death and resurrection, like these guys are all claiming these same things. So many people in on this vast yeah. conspiracy <laughs> just seems insane, right? Very unlikely. Um, we have so much historical record. And some of the things, like the prophecies that are fulfilled, some of those details are found in historical record outside of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like his death and um, at least the Christians were claiming that he rose from the dead. <laughs> Even people who didn't believe and thought Christians were insane said, oh, these people are claiming that Jesus rose from the dead. Right. And that he was a magician. So <laughs> there was a claim that he was performing miracles. So I would just say that's that's pretty far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just... The likelihood of all that just seems crazy. Right, right. 
So I think that there is good historical ground to trust the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And this is something that I'm very passionate about. If you really want to dive in, if you're crazy like me, the great <laughs> book is um, Can We Still Trust the Bible yeah, by Craig Blomberg. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit easier to read. He has a more in-depth one that I love even more, which <laughs> is called The Historical Re- Reliability of the Gospels. Blomberg was Sawyer and I's mm-hmm. professor over at Denver Seminary. We love the guy. He is absolutely brilliant. Yep. And I think he proves that there is so much evidence for uh, being able to trust the Bible, mm-hmm. that it wasn't people writing the Bible in order to fulfill a narrative. They were saying, this is the narrative that happened. Now I want to show you what that was. Yeah. So Absolutely. trust the Bible. It's good. Yeah. And that leads us into the subject for today's uh, podcast yeah. that we really wanted to tackle. And it is the idea of how does the whole Old Testament, mm-hmm. the Hebrew scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, how is it all pointing to Jesus? Right. Because this is a claim that was made by Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. In John 5, 39, Jesus said, hey, to the, to the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, he's like, you guys search the scriptures in order to find eternal life, but the scriptures testify about me. About me, yeah. Like very clearly, the scriptures testify about me. They're all about me. Don't miss me in these <laughs> Old Testament scriptures. This is the Old Testament. They didn't even have the New Testament at the time. There right. was no Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <laughs> and when you read through the book of Acts, when they're preaching, mm-hmm. Peter, James... Um, John and um, I guess Peter and John, there's no sermons from James in there. Peter and John and Paul, like they're quoting Old Testament scriptures. Mm -hmm. Even Stephen. Stephen as well, yeah. And they're all doing this and saying, hey, just look, you just need these. uh, For them, the 22 books, we divided them to 39 books, but it's (laughs) the same books, just a different division. And like you don't even need anything else to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he provides eternal life through his death and resurrection. So how does that work? And another place where Jesus talks about that is in Luke 24. Right. So in Luke 24, this is the story of the road to Emmaus when Jesus is, is talking to these, these two disciples. And they're different than the other 12 disciples, but these two disciples. And they don't recognize him at first. And then at the end of their conversation, he says this in verse 25 of Luke 24. He says, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Hmm. He's talking about the prophets, meaning Moses all the way to Malachi. And he says, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So he's kind of repeating this prophecy that we even looked at on Sunday. And then it says in verse 27, And beginning with Moses, meaning the book of Genesis... Because traditionally it's held that Moses wrote Genesis through, uh, I guess, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy yep. and, and all the prophets. So in the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So from Genesis to Malachi, <laughs> he's like, look at this, guys. And he explains all this different way that the Old Testament is pointing to him. And then finally these guys realize, oh, we've just been talking to Jesus. <laughs> when he breaks bread, they're like, oh, we've yeah. seen somebody break bread like that. It was Jesus. Um, so how does that work, Sawyer? Well, I, I think, I mean, maybe not exhaustively on this podcast, but I think we can show that the Old Testament, God's working throughout history up until the point of Jesus really does point to not only who Jesus is in the future, in the now, but also that Jesus was active and working even in the Old Testament. Yes, that it may not be um, explicit, but there's a lot of awesome ways that Jesus was working in the Old Testament that the New Testament clears up for us, reveals for us, and also that we have very good <laughs> evidence to trust in the Old Testament as well, and that we can see that this has always been something God was planning to do. 
That it wasn't just out of the blue. That wasn't just like, oh, Jesus, you better get down there. <laughs> no, it was very much that God has always had this plan in mind, has been slowly revealing his plan throughout history. And at this point, Jesus's life, well, birth, life, death, and resurrection really is the pinnacle of God's re- plan of redemption. Yes. And this it sounds very theological, this mm-hmm. conversation that we're having right now, and it is. This is an area of theology often called biblical theology. Right. Uh, different than systematic theology, if you're a theology buff. <laughs> Biblical meaning it's just tracing throughout the Bible, historical revelation, you know, all these different things. But even if you're not into theology, how this can be helpful for your 10,000 is because we all should be reading the Bible on our own. And when you're reading things like the Old Testament, you can see Jesus... Mm-hmm. On every page. In fact, there's a name of a book like that. I recommend this book. If you're interested in this subject, read a book called Jesus on Every Page. It is actually simple, easy to understand. You don't have to be a theologian or have gone to seminary or know Greek and Hebrew. Jesus on Every Page by David Murray. It's a great book. You could read that and totally get this. And you're like, ah, so now as I'm reading through the Old Testament, I see Jesus on every page. So how is it? And Sawyer and I kind of broke it down. He has a little bit more details in his book, obviously, but we broke it down into six, is it six? Is that what we decided We on? said six, yep. Six different areas and six different ways that you and I, when we're reading the Bible, can see Jesus in the Old Testament, how mm-hmm. the scriptures testify about Jesus. So these six different ways, I hope that you'll start to absorb it, and I think it's going to make you fall more in love with Jesus and be in awe of God's plan of redemption from beginning to end, from from Moses to Malachi, mm-hmm. from Genesis to Revelation. Like it's all in this plan. It's incredible. Absolutely. And it helps us trust the scriptures. Yeah. It helps us trust God. It helps us grow in our faith when we see Jesus on every page. Yeah. So here are the six ways that you can see Jesus on every page. Okay. One, planet. Planet. Okay. These are going to be six Ps. We're going to keep it simple. I'll try to try to remember them. Yeah, there you go. The planet. Planet. Okay. The planet, and what we by me mean by that is the creation. So it says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. And the Word was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. So this is speaking about Jesus, that Jesus was there in the creation of the world. So when we look around on our planet, and you can say all the planets and the universe, but when we look around on our planet and when we read something in the scriptures about our planet, we know that Jesus was actively involved in that creation. Right. So that's the first one, planet, Planet. and that Jesus was involved in that. So whenever you see things about creation, just think, oh, Jesus was there. When it says in the beginning uh, of Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth— and then it says that God spoke. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that his speaking is actually Jesus, his power creating the world. God speaks, something happens. Jesus is there in Genesis 1, 1. There you go. All the way from the beginning. The planet. So that's number one, planet. Planet. Two is presence. Presence, okay. What is that, what is that talking about? And we're presence with a C, not with a T. I know everybody's starting to think Christmas now. Oh, okay, yes. rounded into November. I was like, <laughs> it's, pre- it's presence with a P, right? It starts with a P. Uh, yeah, oh, no, no, I presence. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. presence. Um, and what we mean by that is there are different times that when that Jesus actually shows up in mm-hmm. the Old Testament timeline. Yeah. There are times where it speaks of someone called the angel of the Lord. Right. That this is more than likely in those situations Jesus himself appearing as an angel, right? speaking as an angel. And we know that because it, this angel claims to speak for God. Correct. 
Like it equi- and it, and it almost like you're reading through this passage. And you're like, wait, is God speaking or is or it the, the angel, angel of the Lord? Right. Well, the answer is yes, because Jesus is God. Right. He's the second person of the Trinity. So there is some what's uh, often called theophanies. Mm-hmm. These glimpses of Jesus Himself coming down. There's also some obscure ones. Paul references in First Corinthians ten that when Moses strikes the rock and water comes out of the rock, Mm -hmm. that Jesus was the rock. And you're like, what? (laughs) Okay, I still don't quite grasp this one, but Jesus was there in the form of a rock to provide this living water. Okay, so we're just scratching the surface on some of these theophanies, but Mm -hmm. Jesus is present actually physically throughout some stories in the Old Testament. Right, definitely. So that's the second one. The third one is promises. Promises. The promises. So this are, there's promises from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So as soon as Adam and Eve fell into sin, there's this promise in Genesis 3.15. 3.15. And, yeah. and what does that say, Sawyer? It says, uh, let me pull it up really quick. Okay. I have the no. last bit okay. memorized, but I don't have the first bit. And okay. I want to make sure we do it right. So. Yeah, yeah. Genesis 3.15. <laughs> Genesis says, 3.15 says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent at this point. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So there's this promise even at the beginning that the serpent who has just led uh, Adam and Eve into sin and all of mankind into sin, that the serpent will be trampled, mm-hmm. will be defeated in the future. There's these promise. And there's a promise of a new covenant. Right. There's a promise by Moses that there will be a new prophet, that there will be a better king, that there will be, David talks about the new covenant that will come. There's all these promises, and they're all fulfilled in Jesus. That's right. He is the fulfillment of every promise. And it says in the New Testament, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Okay? <laughs> That's right. So every single promise has its fulfillment in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when you find a promise in the Old Testament, you ask yourself, well, does this apply to us? It does through Jesus. It might take you some time to think about and meditate on how that promise applies to us in, in Jesus, but it all does. Right. Okay, so that's, that's the third one. So we got planet, presence, promises. Promise. Fourth yep. one is prophecies. Prophecies, yep. I don't Which, know if we need to go into too much detail. Right. There, it, you focused on, well, 17, now 18 yeah. <laughs> different prophecies about Jesus' death and, and resurrection and salvific work. But if you look, there's tons of prophecies about his birth, about what he would do during his life, about yep. the time period, about lots of different things about Jesus, even beyond what we talked about, what you talked about in your message. Okay. So that is the um, fourth one mm-hmm. is prophecies. Yep. And this overlaps with the fifth one, which we're calling pictures. Mm-hmm. And I say it overlaps, and I mention this briefly on Sunday as well, because some of these prophecies are explicit prophecies. The Messiah will come and be like this. <laughs> right. But some of these prophecies are actually pictures. And what we mean by that, the, the more technical term is types and figures. <laughs> Uh, or shadows, Mm -hmm. that these things that happen in the Old Testament, Moses on the mountain, King David, Elijah performing miracles, Elisha performing even greater miracles, Mm -hmm. all these things, uh, even the you know, temple, the, the temple, lamb. the entire sacrificial system that the in the, of the Old Testament, um, Moses bringing the people out of, with the Exodus. Um, yeah, yeah, the Exodus is a great. All these things are pictures of what the ultimate Messiah, Jesus, will be like. 
right? That he'll be this sacrificial lamb, that he'll lead people from bondage to freedom, that miracles will happen, that uh, lives will be changed. All, All of these images that God has worked into the grand narrative that he has been orchestrating leading up to the, the coming of Jesus. Right. And, and one simple way to remember these pictures whenever you see them is they can be good things. Mm-hmm. Like David is a good king, you know, and whenever we see him being a good king, well, Jesus is an even better king. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whenever we see a king being a bad king, okay, David again, <laughs> we say, well, Jesus is the true and better king. Right. Okay. He was like David in his best sense. And when David falters, Jesus is the true king mm-hmm. who does all things right. Right. So it's with kings, with the lamb, okay? A lamb, Jesus was the perfect spotless lamb, but unlike a lamb that you have to sacrifice day in and day out, Jesus is the one final lamb that's sacrificed. That's right. Uh, with the priests that you see, um, that they're, they're good, they intercede between uh, God and man, yet Jesus is the true mediator and intercessor because he has no sin at all within that's right. him, and he's at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us. So you can see this again and again and again. And this is a, when your eyes are open to this reality, it's, it blows you away. Mm-hmm. You said Exodus, and you're like, wow, Jesus uh, brought us out of, of slavery to yep. sin, right? Yeah. He broke the yoke. So all these different things, these pictures, they're beautiful when you see them. The entire book of Hebrews is explaining yeah, some absolutely. of these things to us. Um, and so pictures is the fifth one. And the sixth and final way that we can see Jesus on every page of the Old Testament is through the plot line of the Old Testament. Right. So we see the ways that God is bringing his people originally from Adam and Eve from their fall, now walking them through, um, selecting Israel as his chosen people, promising Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And we see God's relationship with his chosen people. They end up in this is kind of going to work through the entire Bible, but they end up in slavery under the Egyptians and, and God is, has not forgotten them. He comes in, provides this way out through Moses and, and Aaron. And now they're walking around in the desert and this promised land, this this good place of God's promise is coming, but they fall short again and mm-hmm. they wander around in the desert and then they eventually end up in the promised land, right? But then Jesus, all the way through this, even as we continue through the story, through the um, through the judges, through the kings, through the fall of Israel, through Babylon and Assyria, even to the point of Jesus where they've now been in, in captivity, they've been freed from captivity. It goes on and on and on that through all of those things, God is revealing more and more this coming Messiah, this fulfillment of making people his, bringing about this grand narrative of redemption all the way from Genesis to its fulfillment in Revelation. That's right. Yeah. That's so good. And even those last two, numbers five and six, the pictures in the plot line, they mm-hmm. fit together as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said at the beginning, the Gospel of Matthew is one of the clearest evidences of this. Um, when you read through Matthew at the very beginning, yes, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. That's where David was born. Okay, this is an important city in the history of uh, the plot line of the Bible. Right. And yet then afterwards, when Herod's trying to kill him, they go into Egypt. <laughs> right. Okay, well, who else came out of Egypt except the Israelites out of slavery. Well, Jesus comes out of Egypt, and then they wander around in the wilderness. Well, what happens at the very beginning of Jesus' <laughs> ministry? He's wandering in the wilderness for 40 days where he's tempted by Satan right. before he can begin his ministry. And so, like, even all that stuff, it's, it's just incredible. The plot line ties into the pictures. The pictures tie into the plot line. God had a plan from the beginning, and it is beautiful to see how all of this fits together. Right. So, once again, 
Jesus on Every Page by David Murray, if you really want to get into it. Mm-hmm. If you want to start talking to your kids about it, there is a great um, Bible for kids mm-hmm. called the, what is it, the Story? The Story Bible mm-hmm. is one of them. And then, um, well, we just got it. It's God's Plan for Me, I think, Okay, is another great one. Yeah, and um, I have this. The is it the Storybook Bible? That might be it. Storybook Bible. Let me. I'm gonna. <laughs> we're, we're gonna pull right. it up it really is quick. The Jesus Storybook That's, Bible. There you go. I we have like two copies of it. People have given <laughs> us uh, a couple of them, but it is great. It is uh, written by Sally Lloyd Jones, mm-hmm. and it just shows a lot of this stuff that you can start to see. Ah, Jesus is on every page. So we encourage you guys to do it, and I hope that it brings even more joy to your scripture reading right in the morning when you read just a little bit like think at the end of it okay you you see what it means you understand how it means for you and then think where's jesus on this page where's jesus that should be a question that you always ask where's jesus in this page where's jesus on the page and when you start to see him you're like wow god is good he has a plan and it's fulfilled in jesus and it gives me even more confidence in the scriptures and in god's plan Right. And even more than that, I think it's a great question for our lives as we go about our lives. There you go. How is Jesus working now? What is Jesus calling me to? How is God working? How can I join on that mission? So it's not just a great way to approach the Bible. It's also a great way to, as we read the Bible, as we learn more about God, as we see the ways that God is working, as we see the ways that Jesus comes up in the Old Testament through his life in the New Testament, that we can start to experience that even right now. That's right, man. That's a good good question. So I like that. I'm going to start asking. <laughs> there you myself. go. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus today? Where's he working my life? I love it. Well, thank you guys for listening to us today. If you do have questions, we love answering questions. We love hearing mm-hmm. from you. And we hope this blesses you. If you have things you want us to cover, let us know. Yeah, definitely let us know. You can reach out to us by email at strap at uh, arisedenver.com or mwolf at arisedenver.com. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Well, go find Jesus today. There he is. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sawyer Trapp again, associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver. We want to encourage you to do three things. First is to subscribe, to make sure you're getting the podcast each and every week to help bring God into your 10,000. We'd also love it if you would share this, if you would make this not only a part of your life, but a part of somebody else's. And then finally, if you are benefited by anything that we do, either as a church or on this podcast, we would love it if you would give. You can do that at arisedenver.com slash give to continue to support the mission and impact that we're having on this community and then the lives of the people of our church and those discovering us for the first time. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.